Gabriel Hughes. Thanks for coming on to this humble little podcast, my friend. Hey, it is great to be here. Uh, I've been called a Theo bro as an insult, but I now I, I think that now having appeared on this podcast, I can I can officially call myself part of the club. I'm I'm a Theo bro now. You are you're outing yourself. I mean, you've <laughs> you've come out of the closet officially. As I a am. Um, I am now a Theo bro. You are you are proclaiming to the world that Christ is King. You are always reforming, and that you loved you love sound theology. Uh, Amen have, to that. You have strong convictions, and that's okay. We want to have convictions here. Uh, if there Gabriel was anybody going to run with the Theo bro label, it it had to be Justin Bullington. <laughs> yeah. I am, yeah, I am uh, anything but uh, cool. And so um, every once in a while, when I see a cool term, I'll have to, I have to just stick it on me because um, that's, that's what I, I have to do. I have to do it. Uh, Gabriel Hughes is a pastor of First Baptist Church in Lindale, Texas. He's also the founder and voice behind the online ministry. When we understand the text, uh-huh. featuring what? hundreds of videos addressing a wide range of Bible topics. He hosts a daily podcast also called when we understand the text, seven years, by the way, it's been going on Yeah, with 20 minutes of Bible teaching Monday to Thursday. And then his wife, Becky, joins him on Friday to respond to questions from listeners. That's got to be fun. Um, listen, Gabriel, you have 271 reviews on your podcast, which wow, average... I didn't even know that. Yeah, you're welcome. I looked that up. Um, <laughs> I'm not jealous. Um, I've had to crucify the flesh a bit as I've seen that. Um, you average 4.8 stars, which is great. Um, awesome. All right. I have I, four. Uh, I have four reviews, Gabriel. Now, what makes what makes that more impressive is uh, I I am really terrible at marketing myself. So, thank you to everybody who just does that and then tells their friends about it because yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's certainly not my doing. So I really appreciate that. Reagan Rose kind of gave me a hint as to why he has so many reviews. His mom has a lot of accounts <laughs> on Apple. And and that's kind of, you know, I'm not saying that's what's happening with you at all um, or insinuating that, but it's, you know, it doesn't hurt. And I have four reviews, Gabriel. And um, well, let's get people to, to give some stars to Justin for the Theo Bros podcast. So far, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, you're great at marketing me. Um, I have <laughs> five out of five stars, and I'm not bragging about that. Um, there you are. I yep. also have a review. Do you mind if I read it to you? It's yes, not from my let, mom. Let me hear your review, yes. It's from a person named Sem Stu, and it took me all week. I'm just working through, like, changing around the letters. Maybe I could figure out who it might be, but I can't. I can't figure it out. It's probably it an anagram or something. Whole, yeah, something. Um, Semstu says, what else could be the rating for a stellar podcast? Question mark, exclamation point, five stars. There you are. That's it. I really like that. Let's I, do more. Let's, let's get some more of them on there. It, yeah, I, I, yeah, because I, I printed that review out. I made a huge poster of it. Um, <laughs> it's up on my wall. Now, now, see, this is like when uh, you hear of the big star uh, who makes it big and he's got the first dollar that he ever made. <laughs> so this is it, man. This is the beginning. Frame this, that review. This is it. Yeah. What are those like, what are those 
things that people are buying nfts maybe i'll turn it into an nft <laughs> a non-fungible token there you go yeah well last time i saw you gabriel you had dozed off for a moment at mike riccardi's breakout session at the shepherds conference um <laughs> but it was just for I a moment i didn't mike i didn't he he's he's fibbing <laughs> on me i did not fall asleep during your session yeah, you promise uh, it looked like you were getting a little sleepy <laughs> I just want to know, like, how much coffee is guzzled that week at the conference, don't you? Did you hear the story about how many hard-boiled eggs they go through? I need to know. Tell me. Yeah, okay. So you know that, like, in the morning, where they've got the different breakfast stations and stuff like that, there's places you can go to get hard-boiled eggs. How many people are at ShepCon? 5,000, sometimes. About 5,000. Yeah, three to 5,000 or something. Like, I, I think it depends on the uh the, the event if they're making it one of those big ones or the they're just trying to fill up the auditorium anyway so the average that i heard is twenty thousand hard-boiled <laughs> eggs so that's that's like four hard-boiled eggs per person that's ridiculous yeah now i don't eat hard-boiled eggs so there's someone out there eating not four there's someone out there eating like eight to ten Right. As many Shepcons as I've gone to, I've never once had one of their hard-boiled eggs. I won't do it. And I, watch and I, I like hard-boiled eggs, but I just haven't had one of theirs. So I, it, I've not contributed to that number. My, I watch my elders eat those hard-boiled eggs, and I just squirm. I, can't, <laughs> I cannot watch people eat those things. Um, yeah. It, uh, we it need Phil to get on. I need to, I need to know how much coffee is guzzled. Is, that's really what uh, we need Phil Johnson to get on that. You, you know him. I'm sure that you spend time with him. You have his phone number. <laughs> Text him that question either tonight or tomorrow. I or will. And give me yeah. an answer by the end of this podcast. No, I, I tell you what, I'm going to do it right now. And we'll see if Phil can get an answer for me by the end of this podcast. What do you think? That would be, it's, that would be amazing. If not, we'll, we'll save it for later. But I need to know. How much coffee is guzzled through the week of Shepherd's Conference? I know where he's at right now. He's actually in um, uh, Kentucky for the Truth Matters Conference, which is being held at the Creation Museum. Yes. I tried to have Fred Butler on, but he said he was there. So I, Yeah, I, he's there too. Right. Okay. Well, that, that'd be great. I wish I could go. Um, uh, here, this is a little off topic. Were you in the movie called Triune, perchance? Does that ring a bell at all? No, I don't. Not that I'm aware. I mean, if they stuck a video of mine in there or something, but Sub, I don't it, think. The subtitle is Three Brothers, One Purpose. Okay. In my research for this podcast, you're listed as an actor in that movie on IMDb. <laughs> Interesting. No. It's not I was not, I, as As far as I know, I've not been in a, <laughs> a film called Triune. I don't know. Check it out. You might be in there. They might have quoted you or something. Three now, brothers. Of, three. <laughs> I, I have three had, brothers, one purpose. Isn't that great? I have had some, some musical theater experience. I think that you've witnessed a little bit of that. Yeah. Um, you got a little dancey during some of the Shepcon songs. Like, way too dancey. <laughs> Not during quite what, worship. I was, what I was referencing, but yeah. So, uh, I, I do have this desire... Sometime in my life, if the opportunity arises, I would have a hard time saying no, but to voice a character in an animated film. Oh, man. 
I really want to do some voice acting. I would love to do that. You could be like like Toy Story 23. I don't know how many Toy Stories <laughs> there are, but you could like voice a like a talking dog or some kind of I don't know <laughs> toy. <laughs> One of the toys. One yes, of those probably. toys. Yes. Um, tell me about when we understand the text, Gabe. Speaking of your sultry, caramely voice, um, there are probably one or two listeners of mine who haven't heard of this ministry. How did you start it? When did you start it? Why? Just tell me the story. Yeah, so when we understand the text started as a ministry for the church that I was pastoring at the time, which was First Southern Baptist Church in Junction City, Kansas. Uh, the pastor there now is uh, is a fellow by the name of Ryan Sickinger, great expository preacher. So I was, uh, and that that's actually his first senior pastor gig. So I was, um, uh, it was awesome to be able to come down here to Lindale, Texas and work with Tom, with Tom Buck, who's the senior pastor here and then give Ryan his first opportunity at a senior pastor position, and he's doing a great job there. So I pastored there for about 10 years, and when I when I first took over the senior pastor duties, so this might have been about 2013. In fact, that is that is the year when, when this brainstorm kind of started. So I would preach things, and I'm just watching all the heads in the congregation nod along with my preaching, you know, and not nodding off, but they're in agreement, you know. So I'm I'm excited about this. I'm like, wow, I'm a pretty good preacher. Everybody agrees with me. They're saying their amens. They're uh, they're rejoicing at what it is that I have to proclaim. So I'm feeling pretty good about myself. And then I go home and I bring up social media, and I'm watching people post on Facebook exactly the opposite of what I said in the sermon that morning, hmm. and it was frustrating. I'm like, hang on. I thought everybody was in agreement here. We've all got nodding heads. It's a good, agreeable Baptist church. How, how rare is that? And yet, uh, and yet people are doing things on social media, posting videos that are saying exactly the opposite of what I just said. So I was at a friend's house and uh, his name was Joe. And we, uh, I was venting about this. I was complaining about it with Joe. And I said that, that, that these people are posting such stupid videos why are they posting such dumb memes and videos? And he said to me, well, why don't you make your own? And it was like this revolutionary idea. I was like, well, yeah, I could make my own videos. And so we brainstormed a couple of ideas. One of them was called Sermonettes. Uh, and the video was still up for a while. I don't think it is there anymore because it was a different channel that's now defunct. But uh, it was just me talking to a camera and sharing short thoughts in like four or five minutes or something like that. But I didn't like that. I really didn't want my own face on camera. I wasn't really crazy about that. I've got a face for radio, and that's that's where my experience has been. I was in radio for uh, over two decades. We've all became... been saying that, Gabriel. You do have a face for radio. <laughs> I'm glad we can all be in agreement on that. So uh, so anyway, I, I we, we kind of came up with some other ideas. And given my background in radio, one of the big radio names... Uh, from back in the day um, was uh, uh, Harvey, uh, Paul Harvey. And he would do that program called uh, Now You Know the Rest of the Story. He would always sign off with that. And now you know the rest of the story, you know. <laughs> so I thought we should end with a tagline. It should be the same line every time. And at first we were calling it Understanding the Text. 
but what if when we ended, we called it when we understand the text? So, so like we finish every little devotional lesson with when we understand the text. And it was another friend of ours that pointed out that when you abbreviate that, it's what. So you could be asking like, what does the Bible say about this? And then you do the video. And then at the end, when we understand the text. So that seemed like a great idea to me. Uh, I don't know where I got the Tim Allen idea from, but that's my voice on there going, what? <laughs> so I just kind of threw that in at the very beginning. And uh, and so then we uh, we came up with some scripts, some different ideas, and they were usually things that were from sermons that we really, really liked. But they were 45, 50-minute sermons, and who's going to sit and listen to that whole thing? So how do we take that main idea and whittle it down to about four and a half minutes. So we're going from 45 minutes to four and a half minutes. And and so the first four videos are like that. If you go look at the first four videos, they're all four and a half minutes long. You've got uh, David and Goliath understanding that story in context. Uh, there's heaven is for real, you know, just uh, confronting the whole concept of heaven tourism, people dying and seeing the afterlife and coming back and talking about it. Uh, there's a camel through the eye of a needle. And we talk about tithing in one of those videos as well. Those were the first four. But then after we did those, uh, we, there were some other topics that we wanted to hit. And we just didn't think that it would take four and a half minutes to do those things. Stuff like uh, uh, God helps those who help themselves or preach the gospel if necessary, use words <laughs> or love the sinner, hate the sin, you know, things like this. Mm -hmm. So we thought we can we could cover this in 90 seconds, a minute and a half. Uh, and that was from my radio days as well. So everything was in like 30 second blocks. You had 30, 60, 90 seconds. So I thought I could do a video in 90 seconds. And so we would cover those things um, in a minute and a half. But then after a while, it was like we weren't even addressing the bigger topics anymore. It was all just short videos. So now there's over 300 videos that are a minute and a half. I'm just now starting to work on some longer videos. So those are coming up just within the next few weeks. I'll get uh, uh, some much longer explanations of stuff done. Are we breaking uh, news? Is this breaking news right now? Um, that's right. I haven't said that to anybody anywhere else. So this is this is the first place. I haven't even mentioned this on my podcast. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a big J journalist. A big J journalist. Yes, I broke some news today. There you go. That's great. Uh, so the, so one of them that I'm doing, I could tell you is, uh, is I'm doing like a, almost kind of like a documentary. Um, but not really, it's just an explanation of the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. So what really happened at Sodom and Gomorrah? Um, and that, that one's going to end up being 30 to 40 minutes. So it's, it's, a it will be my longest video when I, when I get done with it. And then there, uh, is another one that I'm working on that is explaining the story of the good Samaritan. That one's going to be about five or six minutes. So uh, whereas, you know, the, the parable of the Good Samaritan um, gets used in all different kinds of ways. Like if you see somebody in need, help them or uh, don't be a racist, you know, <laughs> the, <laughs> the different ways that parable gets used, that actually wasn't the point. So I'm going to, uh, you know, use uh, four or five minutes there to kind of explain what was really the point that Jesus was making with the parable of the Good Samaritan is because it's one of the most abused parables uh, of Jesus. Um, so anyway, kind of, kind of going back a little bit. So, uh, those first videos came out in 2014, I think was when, when I did the first 90 second videos was in, was in 2014. And there was one that I did on vision casting. 
because there's that uh, that verse in Proverbs that where there's no vision, people perish. Ah, uh, yes. Which is not the whole proverb. It's where there is no vision, people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Mm. So it's talking about knowing God's word and doing what it says. It's not talking about vision casting, which is a lot of what, what a lot of these seeker-friendly churches do. Mm-hmm. So, so I did a 90-second video on that, looking at the verse in context to see what it really means. And it's not the way that a lot of these people take it. Well, I tagged Chris Roseboro in it. Chris Roseboro, who's the host of Pirate Christian Radio. I love Pirate Christian Radio, still listen to it to this day. I was listening to it back then in 2014. Yeah, I think we all were. Absolutely. So, yeah, right. So he's uh, uh, he he's kind of like the pioneer in in uh, uh, online ministry. You know, uh, a lot of these guys who come up with online ministries, we all say we we're listening to Chris Roseboro, Chris mm-hmm. Roseboro, and Todd Friel back in the day. Yes. So uh, so anyway, I he was doing a program on vision casting. And so I tagged him in my video. I put it on Twitter, tagged him, tagged him in my video. It wasn't even my Twitter account. It was somebody else that started the Twitter account. And I just had him post it through that account and, hey, tag Chris Roseboro in it. So I, I remember my wife and kids and I, which we had fewer kids back then. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> we went to the mall in Topeka. And I still remember exactly where I was at, in the mall in Topeka, Kansas. And I pull up my phone. And I look at the video, and I can still tell you the number to this day. It had 137 views. And I and, and on all of my what videos, I had never broken 100 views yet. 100 views. I'd never broken 100 views because it was just for my church. Uh, the, the videos were just confronting things that were questions that would come from members of my congregation. But when I saw that I had 137 views in the middle of the mall in Topeka, Kansas, I went, 137 views? And I was super excited about that. And I told Becky, I was like, Chris Roseboro had to have posted my video. And sure enough, he had shared it. And that's how I got that many views. Well, fast forward a few more weeks. And we were in the middle of uh, praise and worship practice, band practice at the church on like a Saturday night. And one of my young guys, actually the guy that started the Twitter account, came running in the sanctuary, interrupted us in the middle of worship. (laughs) And he started going, Gabe's on wretched, Gabe's on wretched. Whoa. the rest of the band was going, what wretched? Why is that exciting? Why are you calling Gabe wretched? <laughs> and Todd Friel was playing a what video. And so that was that was exciting. We were like, oh, wow, I can't believe he found one of my videos. So now ever since then, I'll post a video and it'll get thousands of views. And that was mostly thanks to uh, to Todd Friel grabbing the what videos and playing them. And uh, and I was I was not even a cessationist at the time. I was still kind of a, a of a continuous. I was still growing in my own Reformed theology uh, back in that uh, in that period. So uh, Todd and I even talked about that. You know, he was asking a little bit about my theology and and was disappointed to hear that I was a continuist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then a friend of mine walked me through Scripture and and kind of helped me see the error of my ways. And so through that process, praying and searching and and uh, coming to an understanding, a right understanding of God's word, I became a cessationist. And so I actually ended up recanting a lot of those what videos were where it might have sounded a little continuist and then was posting stuff that's a little more cessationist. So uh, so anyway, that's just kind of a, a, a little bit on the adventure or on the journey of that. In 2015, uh, I started the podcast. So it went from doing the short videos 
to now becoming a podcast. And in the very beginning, the intention of the podcast was to give longer explanations to the short videos. So we got 90 second videos, but I'm going to take 20 minutes to talk a little bit more about what I covered in just 90 seconds. I only did one episode like that. It was episode 000, <laughs> which I don't even think is online anymore. And, uh, and, and then it just kind of like, that just wasn't going to work out. And I wasn't interested in, I don't know. It, 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 I wasn't even passionate about it. I'm going to find that episode. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to see if you can locate it. Uh, so I started uh, just doing expository teaching. It's what I love to do. I wanted to do it more than I was already doing. And so, and this was, this was also a response to a need that was in my church. Uh, Cause if I was just doing the thing where I was explaining the videos, that was kind of more for the people who were asking me questions about the videos. But I got this idea to do expository teaching Monday through Friday. And this was a response to a need that we had in our church. So being in Junction City, Kansas, we were right next to Fort Riley. So Fort Riley and Junction City are, I mean, it's basically one in the same town. Only you need a pass to get on uh, on post on, on Fort Riley. But, uh, you know, a good 60% of our congregation was military. They were either active or retired um, uh, military. And so we had this situation where uh, there were a lot of soldiers that would go overseas. They would be gone for from uh, for nine months to a year was typically the the length of a tour. And I would try to reach out with those guys while they were overseas, but they really were not great with keeping in touch with me. Uh, occasionally we could exchange emails, but if they had call time or screen time, they wanted to spend it with their wife and kids. They didn't want to talk to me. So uh, there was always kind of this period whenever they would come home where they're having a really difficult time plugging back in at home. The wife has already been running the house. She and her kids have a system. The husband comes back and wants to change all of that. And now there's conflict. There's arguing with each other. And, and so I would talk with some of those guys. We would do uh, kind of like a, uh, like a regroup, you know, like, Hey, get together. Let's talk. Let's do some counseling as you're just now getting back and getting acclimated with everything. And a lot of the soldiers were telling me the same things. They were saying, when I go overseas, my wife and I don't have anything to talk about. We'll, we'll call each other. We'll have screen time, but she just wants to complain about bills or the kids. And I can't tell her about what I'm doing. So we don't have anything to talk about. And then it just becomes these tense moments the conversations are not enjoyable. And then I get home and we just fight about stuff because now I don't know how the house works and she's not ready to relinquish control back to me. So what, what do we do? How do we, how do we handle this? And so the podcast came about as uh, me telling these guys, I'm just going to read the Bible every day. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do 20 minutes of that. And I'm going to read the Bible. and I'm going to explain it. So you listen to it every day. And you tell your wife to listen to it every day. And when you call each other, you talk about, hey, what did you get out of the devotional lesson today? Hmm. And you let that guide your conversation. And so you, you talk about God's word and you pray together. And then when you get back, let me know how that went. And after a year of doing that, the feedback we got from that was awesome. We literally had guys coming home going, you saved our marriage with that hmm. podcast. And, and so that's how it started. And I, and I told my wife, I told Becky, at the time we had about um, 150 to 200 people in our congregation. 
And I said to her, if I can just double that, I'll be happy with it. So if we're just getting a, uh, just getting 300 people listening, then that'll feel like it's worth it. It's it's my congregation plus a few other people, and that will make the work feel like it's worth it. And now we're up to I think four to five thousand listens per day. Oh, praise the Lord, man! So so it's amazing how how the Lord has just kind of blessed that. Um, and and again, it was it was just something that started for my own congregation. Um, and, and yeah, we're approaching 3 million downloads and, uh, it's been a blessing. I'm, I'm thankful for the way that God has blessed any aspect of this ministry at all. Yeah. It, we are thankful for it too. Um, content creation is a beautiful thing. If it's grounded in wanting to please the Lord, if it's grounded in the church, um, and just, you know, as I, as I think about this humble little podcast, if the Lord gives me five listeners, I'm thankful for it because I don't deserve any. Yeah, um, I deserve hell. And, and the fact that, that he gives us any platforms at all, whether Twitter or through, um, through is it all glory goes to him. Um, you said how many 3 million? Yeah, we're just, just about to hit 3 million. That's yep. fantastic. Um, what are your most listened to when we understand the text videos? The most watched ones. Um, I know, uh, the one that I did that was entitled, has God already chosen who's going to be saved? <laughs> uh, that one's pretty popular and also one of the most controversial. I would imagine. Um, and- the video on uh, the one that I did about Lauren Daigle, this was a couple of years ago. I think it was at the end of 2019. I remember so she, this video. Yeah, yeah. So she made the comment about how she didn't know what the Bible said about whether homosexuality was a sin or not. And, and she said to the listeners in the interview that she did, um, she said, so if you find out, then tell me. And so that was basically the video. Okay, well, guess what? I found out. Here's what the, <laughs> here's what the Bible says. So that, that one may be the most popular uh, of the ones that I've done. Um, Trying to think of a couple of If I remember Ooh. correctly, that was around the same time when Lecrae made the same sort of uh, fearful response to that question. Yeah, I, remember, that I, right. I feel like I remember those two going hand in hand. Yeah, there's and it, it's a growing list, sadly. Yeah, it is. Um, what's one that y- you've gotten the most hate from? Just the most absolute, you know, well, two, two horrifying hate from. Yeah, yeah. Two in particular I could mention. One is the one that I did, uh, how um, uh, pastors must be men. They cannot be women. Mm. Um, and I did that one with my wife. It's one of like maybe two videos, I think that her voice is on. So (laughs) that's really, the the reason why I'm asking this question is that's really telling to me. That's very instructive Yeah, for us to understand where we are as a society and particularly where evangelicalism is and how egalitarianism or just, just a blurring of the lines and boundaries that are so clear in scripture have been torn down by postmodernism and, and just feminism. Yeah. Uh, Another one that I get a lot of hate for is the one that begins, if you're not attending church, you're probably going to hell. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Amen. You have you have a way with words, my friend. (laughs) Well, and I can say, too, that one actually started my friendship with Nate Pickowitz. Oh, okay. Uh, because he and I had never met before, but he watched that video and he was like, this is a guy I got to meet. <laughs> <laughs> so saying those controversial things like that even, even turned into a great friendship. Love you, Nate. Well, you haven't had sushi with him yet. 
and I have, <laughs> I, I, I have also not. almost threw up my sushi at that same restaurant. <laughs> he kept looking at me. He's like, are you okay? Like, just hold on. I think I'm okay, but just, just wait. <laughs> but you held on to it. You didn't lose your fit. I did. I held on to it. I had way too much. That was the problem. Um, okay. So neither of us have gone through seminary. I went through an Arminian Bible school and, and God in his mercy used a lot of that, um, a lot of that Bible teaching actually to grow me and, and teach me a lot. But he's also, you, you know, I similar to you, I've had to repent for a lot of false beliefs. Um, you've not gone through seminary either. Um, how have you survived in pastoral ministry? Well, by the grace of God. Um, and, and I mean, I was even sharing this with somebody recently. The very fact that I'm here um, is is by the grace of God. Uh, there was a there was a Q&A recently. It was at a G3 event down in Atlanta. And, uh, and Phil Johnson of Grace to You was on that panel. And he was asked a question similar to this. And he was asked, uh, where would you be today uh, if it weren't for your wife, that's that that was the question that he was asked specifically. And he said, I'll tell you exactly where I would be. I'd be living under a bridge with all of my stuff contained in a shopping cart. That's where I would be without my wife. And my wife actually was the one who heard the answer to that question. And she sent it to me on my phone and I pulled it up and watched it on my phone. And I just had to laugh because I would have the same answer to that question. It was my wife's idea to for me to become a pastor. And when uh, we were dating, we were not even engaged yet. I knew I was going to marry this gal. There was no question about that, but we, we weren't even engaged yet. And, and she said to me, we had just finished watching a movie. It's dark outside. We're, we're walking together and just talking. I don't even remember what the topic was, but she said, I think you're going to be a great pastor someday. And I rolled my eyes at her. I thought that was a terrible idea. I was like, I, it's the furthest thing from my mind. I had plenty of preaching experience in the Christian radio stations that I worked for. A lot of times we did pulpit supply. And I had preached in over 100 churches by that point. But, but I did not have any desire to settle in one place and pastor a church. Did not want to do it. And it was the furthest, furthest thing from me. I, I just had no desire for that. But the Lord used that to plant that seed, that desire in my heart. I, I did have a desire for the word. I desired to see it preached rightly. False teachers drove me nuts. Um, and, and I always wanted to look for those preachers that were the most sound biblically, exegetical preachers. I had been listening to guys like uh, John MacArthur, R.C. Sproul, and Vody Bauckham for years. And, and had even only recently discovered Paul Washer around that time. And so I, uh, I I loved that kind of preaching. This is the right way to preach. And yet I had no desire to do it myself. But through the love of a good woman, <laughs> he softened my heart to that idea. And then an opportunity came up. A friend called me and said, hey, we've got an associate pastor position. I think you'd be great for it. Why don't you apply? And my wife told me, you're going to apply for it. And so I did. And uh, and And so... Uh, during that period, talking with the church, doing the interview process, coming and preaching and things like that, they, they offered me the position and I said yes. And that was the church that I ended up pastoring for 10 years. Uh, it was also the same church where my wife and I had our wedding reception. So how many people could say they got to pastor in the same church where they were married? 
So, uh, so that was a great opportunity. <laughs> I, I have. Oh, you do too. Yeah. Well, great. <laughs> We've got a lot in common there. So uh, now I grew up listening and growing up in Christian radio, I was listening every day to guys like MacArthur or Sproul or Adrian Rogers or Woodrow Kroll uh, or Erwin Lutzer from the Moody Church uh, or J. Vernon McGee. These guys were my teachers. I listened to them all the time. So while my friends were going to uh, Pizza Hut and flipping pizzas or down to the local grocery store and bagging groceries. I was listening to Bible teaching every day, all the time. And so this this was my education growing up uh, and knew the Bible extremely well and could uh, could outthink even some of these guys that were touting all these degrees and preaching horribly. The, the people that I was calling out as false teachers and saying, how in the world does this guy get to be a pastor with the terrible things that he's saying? And so it was that passion. God humbled, you know, I, I needed to learn some humility, uh, but then but then gave me that opportunity to be able to preach. And I love it so much. I cannot imagine doing anything else now. Uh, but that's uh, it, it's by the grace of God, I've gotten to this point, because if I was following the trajectory that I was on, I was going to be making some pretty stupid decisions. So <laughs> I'm thankful for his kindness toward me and uh, and the woman that he put in my life that has led me to where I'm at. Amen. What does excellence in pastoral ministry look like to you? If you could sum it up in, you know, two or three points, you know, what is excellence in pastoral ministry? Well, you have Paul saying to Timothy uh, that you need to um, put off worldly passions, youthful passions, and, uh, and that you need to uh, pursue sound doctrine with those who love the Lord from a pure heart. And so, so those instructions that you find there about pastoral ministry in First and Second Timothy and Titus, uh, a great way to start where you're looking for uh, an example of, of excellent pastoral ministry. So if I had to like categorize things or, or list some things on a list, uh, you know, that would of course include um, a love for the gospel, a desire to proclaim Christ, expository preaching, loving the word of God and uh, and teaching it correctly, not, not uh, taking your ideas and imposing it on the text, but exposing what the text is actually saying, the Holy Spirit given to these men that wrote it, and then understanding it in that context, what the original author was saying to the original audience, teaching uh, the people of God in that way, and then giving modern application to it, tying the message to Christ and, uh, and giving application for how we live according to these things in our present day. Uh, so just like it says in Nehemiah 8.8, 8, you know, where they, they spoke the word of God and they gave the sense. So they're, they're telling the people the law, and then they're explaining the law to the people. And that's what uh, a pastor needs to do. He's preaching the word of God from the Bible to the people and then helping them to understand it. That, that's really his first responsibility. And so then also it's as a shepherd, because that's what the word pastor means, so you're shepherding the flock of God, that you see to it that these people understand the word of God and live according to it. So growing in sanctification, doing what it says, not just hearing the words, but doing them also. Um, and of course, you can't make a person do that, but, but this is the job of a shepherd to see to it that the flock of God is doing that. And if a person's not doing that, then you're practicing church discipline. So uh, you're you're exercising these things, these instructions that we have according to God's word, and that's going to be 
uh, excellence in pastoral ministry. Thank you, brother. So it sounds like what you're saying is you need to be more than just a good orator or a, a just a, a popular uh, <laughs> presence. Yes. But, but you need to actually wield the sword and, and stand in the pulpit like a man and preach. I appreciate that. Um, as you look at the evangelical landscape today, what concerns you, Gabe? Well, what concerns me most is that the gospel is not being proclaimed. It is being watered down. And as we understand from Romans 1.16, we're not to be ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to all who believe. So if you're, if you're thinning out the gospel, if you're watering it down, if you're making it fluffy, uh, uh, you're trying to make it more palatable to a larger audience, then you're not preaching the gospel. You're preaching something to make people feel good rather than preaching Christ and him crucified. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says that the power of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And later in that same letter, Paul says, we preach Christ crucified, which was a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to Gentiles. So we're going to preach a message the world is going to hate, and they're going to think it's absolutely stupid. But we need to be faithful to the word of God, and it's the Holy Spirit that will work the change in the people's hearts, not the fact that we were great orators, as you said, or, or the fact that we spruce this up enough to be nice and flashy to attract the most number of people. If you're changing the gospel to be attractional to people, then you're probably not preaching the gospel. You're, you're preaching something man-centered instead of something Christ-centered. That's the biggest thing that we see being lost uh, in, in the church today is uh, there's not bold-hearted, uh, stout-hearted men that are, that are preaching the gospel. They are, they're rather effeminate in the pulpit uh, and not preaching hard truths. Uh, as Vody Bauckham, I heard say recently, and I think you might have even been uh, at the same conference that I was at where Vody said this. But if you've got uh, if you've got men that are in the pulpit that are preaching the truth unashamedly, then you're going to have something that's inherently masculine. And men need to be men of God standing in the pulpit, delivering God's word, not being ashamed of it, not cowering away from it, not worried about what the world thinks. For as Paul said in Galatians 1.10, am I out to please men? If I was here to please men, then I would not be pleasing Christ. And so as a, as a servant, as a slave of Christ, we need to be preaching his gospel boldly without shame. That needs to be first and foremost in the pulpits. And there's another, uh, there's a number of other things that I'm sure we could say that we're not seeing in the pulpits right now. We're not seeing expository preaching. You know, we're, we're not seeing uh, we're not even seeing men. <laughs> we're seeing uh, women trying to assume those positions uh, that God has specifically designated for men to fill. We've got people that are not following the word at all. They're using pulpits to uh, to exercise their political opinions and things like that instead of instead of what God's word says. So there's a number a number of other problems we're seeing happen in evangelicalism, but it it all comes back to a sufficiency of the word. Do they believe that the word of God is inerrant? that it's sufficient for all things, that the gospel is the only thing that has the power to change the heart of man. If you believe that, then that's what you're going to proclaim. And that's what needs to come first and foremost from the pulpit in the church in America or anywhere. Thank you, Gabe. Um, I really appreciate that. There's just a, it goes back to your statement about the sufficiency of scripture and just right interpretation of scripture. Um, there's just a biblical illiteracy and inability to really, understand and tie together key doctrines throughout scripture, just a, a 
there's there's such a a discouraging horrible practice that's taking place now more than ever that I've ever seen of just ripping scripture out of context mm. using it to at, at you know eisegesis as you talked about earlier just using it for whatever political points that you want to make and, and impose upon your people um, it's horrifying love you know the 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 text love your neighbor has suffered greatly over the last two years that's just one um, example as you oh, think about yes. in, as you think about influences on your ministry, Gabe, uh, who are your top three Theobros of all time? <laughs> well, I've mentioned one already, and that's Vody Bauckham. Uh, in fact, as as I've as I've shared before, I'm an expository preacher today because of Vody Bauckham. Uh, there's there's a lot of great preachers that I've listened to on the radio, all great expositors, but there was one message in particular when Vody was a pastor of Family Baptist Church in Spring, Texas, he did a sermon where he addressed the Texas Baptist men, um, uh, the, the pastors in Texas at this particular conference that he was speaking at. And he spoke on Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And, and when he was preaching on Ephesians 6, 1, he said, but first we have to understand the context of what's going on here. And he went all the way back to Ephesians 4, and, and preached quickly through Ephesians 4 and 5 to give you the context of Ephesians 6, 1. And I was like, that's awesome. And that's exactly the way that preaching needs to be done. <laughs> and so, and, and it was that message, I, which I still have. I, I have that sermon um, uh, recording in my own library. But that sermon in particular was for me, it was like, that's awesome preaching. And I want to preach like that. So at the time, as I mentioned earlier, I was doing pulpit supply. I was doing things that were very topical, but that was really the thing that kind of turned me in the direction of, I need to, even, even in, in a single sermon that I'm preaching, though I'm not taking people through a series, I need to be expository even in, even in a single sermon. And so that's what Vody taught me, listening to Vody. So he would be, uh, he would be my top guy. Um, R.C. Sproul would be another one. Um, uh, listened to him for a long time. My parents listened to him. And even though my parents were not reformed, my mom in particular really loved Sproul. And so I would, I would listen to a lot of Sproul. Um, and then another one is, um, well, there's a lot of personal preachers that a lot of people wouldn't know. <laughs> my dad would be the most influential of anybody. Um, uh, trying to think of a trying to think of a third one that's not like an easy like uh, John MacArthur, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, or uh, well, I, I'll tell you that um, um, John Bunyan would probably be he would be the first historical figure that I ever read. So even before I got turned on to Spurgeon or even somebody like Martin Lloyd Jones, who's more recent, I was reading uh, John Bunyan when I was a kid. Uh, my my dad loved Martin Luther. That was kind of his favorite historical theologian. But I wasn't that taken in by Luther when I was a kid, and and so John Bunyan became the guy because I loved Pilgrim's Progress. Thought it was uh, even as a kid when I'm reading Chronicles of Narnia, I thought Pilgrim's Progress was a better book. You know, <laughs> yeah. so I was I I was a a nerd about Pilgrim's Progress progress like some of my friends were about Lord of the Rings and uh, and the Chronicles of Narnia. So. Uh, that, that, I guess, would be, uh, as far as loving church history, uh, Bunyan was probably the guy that pulled me in that direction. 
Yes. We love John Bunyan at our house too. Um, yes. We just finished Pilgrim's Progress with, with our kids. And uh, I just watched my son. He, you know, he's 10 and he, we've got this, it's kind of an abridged version of it. Um, a little bit more um, English is, is fixed. And I just, I walked into our library the other day and I just saw him paging through it and kind of rereading it. It was just really sweet to my heart. Like, oh man, John Bunyan's words still live on today because, well, it's because he was, he was basing his words on God's word <laughs> and his yeah, truth right. and his truth is right. always marching on. Um, well, we're going to play one little game, Gabriel, to kind of close up this podcast. Okay. Um, I played it one other time and it went successfully. I actually did it with William Wolfe when we talked about Christian nationalism and it went well, hopefully it goes well with you. Um, and I don't screw it up too badly. It's a little game I made up called pastor or pagan. Okay. I have three quotes from three, you know, somewhat prominent people. And you have to guess whether this quote came from a pastor of a church or just a run of the mill pagan, a clearly unsaved, unregenerate person. Now this pastor is very likely a pagan too. Okay, but the point of the game is just... I was kind of concerned. So. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. The, the point of the game is just to see how far the pulpit has devolved um, through the years. So it's it's really hard to tell the difference between a pastor and just a, a straight-up pagan. That's the point of the game. Okay. So, um, you ready? These clips, Let's go. These, uh, the, the links and the clips that I'm, I'm getting this from, this comes from our buddy, Woke Preacher Clips. All right, here we go. Here's the first quote. Many of us have a picture of God that is distant. This stems from an approach to theology called theism, which holds that God is a ruler high in heaven. Theism views God as transcendent, dominant, powerful, and as my daughters would say, judgy. Most of us grew up with a picture of God as male, but what if God is not a man? What if God transcends gender? God is not only father, but also the mother. Okay, pastor or pagan? Uh, yeah, when you're calling upon the mother God, you're definitely pagan. You'd be right. This is a pagan, but it's also a pastor. Okay, this, <laughs> this is Nancy. I know this game gets a little confusing. It's like the lines are so blurred. This is Nancy Beach who is the so-called first female teaching pastor at, believe it or not, at Willow Creek. Okay, yeah, well, is... she's, she's she's not a pastor. She's appropriating a pastor. <laughs> there you go. Yes, yes. <laughs> this is this is Bill Hybel's former church. This, yep. is actually, this is my neck of the woods. Um, any thoughts on that? Anything you want to comment there? Now, even though uh, Bill Hybels has kind of been "quote unquote" dethroned, for lack of a better term, very much uh, canceled. Yes. Yes. Uh, that does not mean that his church improved. They were just going to continue <laughs> with the same nonsense that he had been uh, proclaiming to that church before. Stuff that was that was very wishy-washy, all over the place, not grounded in the word, based entirely on feelings and the cultural uh, moment of the day. So, uh, yeah, that's that's exactly where this kind of preaching comes from. It's not according to Scripture, for the Bible tells us in 1 Timothy 2.11 that women can't preach. So, first of all, that's that's she's in the wrong spot. <laughs> it's not where she's supposed to be. She's supposed to be sitting under the teaching, 
of a of a man that should be filling that role, a qualified godly man. And Bill Hybels wasn't that guy, incidentally. So she needs to be under good sound teaching, not standing up there as the teacher herself, exercising authority over men, according to First Timothy two eleven and twelve. Uh, then, apart from that, God has uh, revealed Himself to us as Father. There is nothing in Scripture at all that refers to Him as Mother. Uh, he is not effeminate in His form or His presentation. Uh, his qualities are explicitly masculine. And so, as Father, as Son, and Holy Spirit, the three persons of the Godhead, there is no room, no place at all to be referring to God as Mother. That's a pagan idea. And even the Israelites were doing that, borrowing from the Canaanites. They would uh, raise up the Ashtaroth, which was a reference to the mother god. So that practice itself condemned in the Old Testament uh, and is a hearkening back to the idolatry of the Israelites who were borrowing from the Canaanites whenever we see preachers in the pulpit doing it today. Gabe, would you just be a little bit more clear and direct for our listeners this <laughs> afternoon? Yeah, I'm sorry about my Just quit watering things down. I know I'm a little too nuanced. I'll try to I'll try yes. to be a little bit more direct. Please be winsome here uh, yes. as we go through this. All right. So okay, I, I know this is gonna make you mad. I'm classifying this as pastor only because she claims to be pastor, not because <laughs> I think she's a pastor. So that was I'm sorry, that was pastor. So you're 0 for one so far. Um I know I made this game up. It's not going to go great. This is just the way, <laughs> this is the way it is. Okay. Well, all right. Um, all right. Number two, abortion is sometimes a necessary thing. Sometimes the, the lesser. <laughs> yes. Amen. Sometimes <laughs> the lesser, <laughs> the lesser of two evils. I certainly grew up in an evangelical culture where life began at conception. There was no debate. And pro-life is the Christian response. Anti-abortion is the only acceptable view. But that kind of hard line on abortion is of relatively recent origin. You've already said pagan, right? Yes. I can even say that was Kristen Kobes Dumay, and that was the interview that she did with PBS on May the 5th. <laughs> well done. Well done. A yep. friend of VeggieTales guy, by the way, on the Holy yes. Post podcast. Yes. Yeah. Kristen Kobus Dumay is not just pagan. I mean, she's a straight up heretic. So uh, her book, Jesus and John Wayne, probably uh, the most um, harmful book to the church in the last year or two, even if uh, e even if the leadership of that church claims that they've never read it. If you are seeing ingredients of deconstructionism happening within that congregation, that book has somewhere down the line, maybe it's it's removed uh, uh, two or three degrees, but that book has had an influence on that church going this direction of deconstructionism. It, it, it is gonna it's gonna cause more problems even down the line. Uh, and thanks to Phil Vischer and Sky Jatani for that of the Holy Post podcast, whom you mentioned, uh, pushing that book and pushing that particular narrative and the negative effects it's happening having on the church right now. Russell Moore had her on his podcast. David French has written about her. So the usual big Eva suspects have kind of supported and propped up this particular pagan. Um, all right. That was pagan. Last one. Here's a quote. When you're home thinking about 
what $40 billion to Ukraine is all about. Just think about when I was hungry, you fed me from the Gospel of Matthew. <laughs> Pastor or pagan? That, that's a pagan, and that was Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> Drat! Man, you do not miss anything. You're, you're pretty sharp, my friend. Yeah, that's that's just, she's just straight up ripping Matthew 25, 35 through 40, yep. completely out of context, dealing, <laughs> dealing with the Jewish people and, and, and believers, regenerate people responding as they should respond in in taking care of those um, those Jewish people. And, and as a dispensationalist, I would say that it was during the tribulation period, um, but now Nancy Pelosi uh, is is also somebody who has said that abortion is a sacrament, uh, and this woman is going to have a, a really rotten day at the judgment seat when she it will. comes to the day, when it, it comes is, to the day of judgment. I would say so, she's not she's not wrong. It is certainly a sacrament, but it is for this you know the the culture of death, the the religion of death sacrament uh, a satanic sacrament if you will yeah absolutely so. yeah yeah so she's referred to abortion as being sacred and this is a woman i i hope repents she hears the true gospel the spirit convicts her heart she turns from her sin to the lord jesus christ and does so before the day of judgment because uh, uh goodness the the wrath of god that is going to pour out on these people that have been behind the murder and the slaughter of millions of uh, of innocent babies at the hands of the abortion movement. And Nancy Pelosi has been behind it for years. So God save her on that day, because uh, it is not going to be a good day for her in her current state. Amen. And if God can save me, if God can save the Apostle Paul, God can certainly save pagan Nancy Pelosi. Uh, Amen. We, we should pray for that. All right. Um, you did well. You did really well. I'll actually give you bonus points because you are uh, uh, you actually like knew the people uh, before I even said who they were. So uh, great job, Gabe. You are Thank very, you. Uh, very astute. Any new upcoming projects that we should know about other than what you told us about the expanded um, podcasts or, or was it uh, when we understand the text uh, videos? videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, you got it already. So that's breaking news on your program. Uh, I better not give you too much more material than that. So there you go. You've got uh, extended what videos on the way. Well, Gabe Hughes, I want to thank you for joining me on this humble podcast. Um, maybe I can get uh, three listeners this time instead of my typical one. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, we'll plug it. We'll plug it on the on the uh, what Facebook page too. Oh, so that would just be sensational. Awesome. Um, Thank you, Gabriel, and thank you for your, your love for the Lord, your love for the gospel, your love for the church. You are you are a consummate encouragement to me, and you are certainly on my list of, of top theologians. Thank you so much, brother. It was a pleasure.